Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. How old were you when you started school? Four? Five? Six, maybe? There's a lot of debate as to how old an Aussie kid should be before they start their official education, centred around whether they're emotionally, socially, physically or intellectually mature enough. Today, we take a look at what we need to consider when we're thinking about when to send our tiny humans off to school and whether it really has a bearing on how they'll be affected in the future. We met with the principal of Johnny's school at the start of October and her piece of advice to me was, don't think about Johnny in February 2020. Think about how he'll be in October, November 2020. And I thought to myself, he'll be bored. I'll be pulling my hair out and he probably should have done that year of school if I decided to hold him back. We sent our son to school this year after he just turned five in January and a year in and I'm still having days where I wonder if we did the right thing. He's keeping up in class but just emotionally I'm just sometimes unsure. My son turns three in January and already, even though it's two years away, I am really stressed about whether I'm going to send him to school when he would have literally just turned five a couple of weeks before he starts. On one hand, physically, he's really tall, like he looks like a six-year-old. But on the other hand, he's quite emotional. He's the firstborn in the family. He's a bit of a mummy's boy. So I do worry that if we send him when he's just turned five, that emotionally he just might not be ready for it. It's a hot topic at playgrounds, parties, preschools, anywhere where there may be a gathering of parents of four- to five-year-old kids. When do you send them to school? Do you go with the year they turn five if they make the cut-off date? Or do you hold them back, with all this new research suggesting it's beneficial? The year in which you're expected to start school here in Australia varies state to state. In Victoria, you have to turn five by April 30. In Queensland, that cut-off is June 30. In SA, they have to be five by May 1, and in Tassie, it's January 1st. In New South Wales, children can start at the beginning of the year if they turn five on or before July 31, but all kids have to be in school before their sixth birthday. That means that in any given first-year class, there's kids ranging in age from four to nearly six, with a gap of up to 18 months between children. And when you're five, a year and a half can be a big developmental difference. A recent University of New South Wales study found that now up to a quarter of students are being held back from starting school until they're turning six, with many parents believing their kids will be better off down the track. But is that true? Will holding your child back a year give them a leg up in the future? And what does that mean for the kids who start early? 
Professor of Economics Lionel Page from the University of Technology, Sydney, has co-authored a study on the potential adverse effects of school entry rules published by the Life Course Centre, a joint research project between the federal government and the universities of Queensland, Sydney, Melbourne and Western Australia. The study analysed 1,007 adults aged between 24 and 60 to find the differences between those who started late as opposed to their early starter peers. So, Lionel, what was the main takeaway from your study? What is better? Do we start our kids when they're older or younger and why? So I guess the answer to this question would depend on, on the kids, right? Some kids are, are more mature and can start earlier uh, and some kids are less mature and would require to start later. I guess our study was not so much about an advice to give to every parent. It was more studying the effect of the kids who were pushed to be going to school earlier or later because simply of their date of birth. And so when we look at that, we, we saw that kids who end up going earlier and were younger relative to their peers were somewhat at a disadvantage because of that. Can you talk us through that disadvantage and the advantages of those that you found went later? So in such a situation, you have several advantages. First, you're more mature, so maybe easier for you to learn material taught in the classroom. And so also you may be a bit more athletic. For instance, you know, you may do better at sports that may help build your self-confidence. If you're more mature, maybe even in social interactions with the kids in your class, you know, you may be better at handling confrontations. There's a range of things which can just be benefit that you may enjoy from being relatively old, sometimes even up to one year compared to your peers. And you're going to enjoy these benefits all through your education. And that can have long-term consequences. That was the result of our study. Can we talk about some of those long-term benefits? How do we see that translate into the future of these kids, those late starters? Right. So there's a lot of research and it's very well known that you have long-term consequences uh, in terms of success, for instance. If you look at professional sport players, lots of them tend to be born after the cut of death. So they were relatively old relative to the peers. And so if you think about it, if you were relatively taller than others, you know, maybe you're better, you're faster, you enjoy the game better. Maybe the coach is more likely to select you and to put you in a good team. And on the contrary, if you're relatively smaller and younger, maybe you don't like the game very much. You know, you're being pushed all around the place. And so you, you, you may come back home and say, you know, I prefer to do something else. And as a consequence, you, you don't end up continuing as much as if you were relatively older. So these effects are well known in sports. But you have also in other domains. So we know that people are more likely to be good at school. They are more likely to go in university. They're more likely even in some cases to do well in terms of profession. Studies have found that People who were relatively old at school are more likely to end up CEOs of big companies. And we find even that the top politicians in the US, congressmen and congresswomen, are more likely to have been born after the cut of date in their respective states in the US, which means that they were relatively old. So you have all these evidence that having been relatively old compared to your peers may have helped you, you know, give you a, an advantage and build up this success. And so what we wanted to do is to understand where does it come from? And in particular, the key question that we wanted to ask is, does it have to do with self-confidence? Is it that, you know, having been relatively old all these years when, you know, you may have got much more positive feedback from the school teachers and from your peers than others, that has it helped build more self-confidence, which helps you put yourself forward either in sports or competitive professions like politics, for instance, or, you know, manager positions? There seems then there is a lot of benefit 
to kids who start after the cutoff date. But does that come at a cost to those who start before the younger kids? There is a cost, and parents would be very well aware of that. If your kid is born on the 1st of July and you keep the kids one more year at home, then the kids has to go to, typically, if parents are working, daycare. And daycare is very expensive related to school. So that's one upfront cost that parents have to pay. And then at the end of school, the kids are going to enter on the job market one year later. So if you think as an economist about all the costs, one of the costs is that typically they would start earning a wage one year later than, than others. And that's also a, a, a cost in the long term. So this costs mean that it's not free. Some studies have shown that you have a huge benefits for very competitive professions, like, you know, you have sports, politics, managerial positions. But for, you know, a, a wider range of positions, it's not always clear that the, the benefits, at least the strict economic benefits, compensate for the cost. Do you think this kind of research warrants a different look at our education system? Should we be changing the way that we accept kids age-wise into school? Should it be done on a different basis? Should we be adding another year level into school for those kids who are younger? Do you think it warrants changes to the Australian education system? Learning about this and learning about these effects will help schools handle better children differences. So part of the effect of the relative age is due to the fact that Maybe sometimes teachers or parents or coaches of the sport teams, when they see a child and they see the child, for instance, struggling a bit, it may be because the child is relatively young. But, you know, it's easy to make the inference that the child is maybe having difficulties or not good enough. And so when you have to assess the potential of a child, all these trends of research suggest that you need to be mindful about the relative age, not to let some potential go away untapped. And on the contrary, some kids who are relatively old will look a bit artificially better than they are, or at least better than their colleagues who are relatively young and maybe as good as they are. So that's the kind of consideration that our research will help educators in particular to try to reach the best potential of children. But there is something which cannot be changed in some ways, that the educational system is divided in years, like, you know, you have year one, year two, year three, and these are kind of discrete categories and, and our birth dates are not discrete. They're all spread all over the year. So there's no way to change the fact that in a given classroom, you will always have some people who are relatively taller, relatively older, more mature than others. And so the solution cannot be about when people should start school, because if everybody starts school earlier, then you will always have the problem that you will still have some people relatively old and some people relatively young. But what our research can suggest is that maybe how we handle differences in schools, we should be mindful about that and think about solutions to help compensate potentially for the disadvantage that relatively young children may face. Your decision as to when to send your child to school is just that, your decision. Armed with this information, you may choose to hold them back, but circumstances may not enable you to wait. And we can't feel guilty about that. Because the one person who knows your child best, the one person who can decide whether they're ready or need a bit of extra time or extra help, is you, whether they're four, five or six. Ellie Beattie is the executive producer of The Quickie, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And thanks to those who've left five-star reviews on their favourite podcast apps. On iTunes, Kath N wrote, thanks for helping a mum to a newborn and toddler stay in touch with what's happening in the world. Makes my day and is part of my self-care. Thanks, Kath. If you want to catch up on more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie.